We're starting a brand new series this morning, and the title of the series is One Another. It's, it's kind of an interesting series because as, 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 I don't know if I've told you this kind of before, but as a pastor, you're kind of sometimes, you know, you kind of have series and, and ideas and concepts kind of thrust upon you every certain time of the year, like at Christmas time, you know, you're going to hear about Jesus's birth, you know, at Easter, the same kind of idea, you know, Jesus's resurrection, all those sort of things. Well, normally, obviously, in February, it's, it's love and relationships, and, and honestly, I have never done a series on love, marriage, relationships until now, and the reason why is this is because some of us um, aren't married yet. And so I've always kind of had this, like, why am I doing this marriage message for the next month when some people are going, hey, I, I, I'm not married or I'm not going to get married or maybe uh, my husband or wife is in heaven right now, so I'm not planning on getting married again or whatever it might be. And so I want you to understand this series is not about simply marriage. It's about relationships. And so if you have any type of relationship, which I hope that's every single one of you here, this is a series that's for you. And that's why I didn't title it Marriage or something or whatever. It's entitled One Another. And we'll get to that in a second as far as why it's called that and, and kind of the whole purpose in this, of the series. And this morning, it's really going to be kind of an introductory to the series. We're going to kind of look at some main ideas that we're going to kind of hit throughout the series that are important. But I think this is one of those things that this is the most important understanding so that as we move forward into the series for the next couple of weeks, that we really understand some of the things that God has asked us to do to help make those things happen as well. And so we're going to be starting out in Mark number 12, uh, looking at a, a portion of scripture that a lot of us know. But before we get there, I want to pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning and this time. Father, I pray that you just speak through me right now, that God, my words would cease and yours would begin because quite honestly, my words aren't going to do anything, but your words change things. And so God, I pray that you would change our hearts, change our destinies, change our mindsets to what you desire for them to be. Because God, your plans are a lot better than ours, and we trust you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. But before we get to Mark 12, this is kind of in your notes if you want to follow along. Mark 12 really brings up a great question with a vital answer. Okay, a great question with a vital answer. So we need to look at this because this is an important part of what it is to have relationship, what it means to be in Christian loving relationships, and what God wants us to look at. So we're going to look in Mark 12, starting with verse number 28. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or it'll be up on the screen and you can kind of follow along there. So this is what it says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Now, a scribe at this time was kind of a, a, a person that had studied the, the Torah, studied the law, that knew all that stuff very, very well. So this was kind of a religious scholar, as it were. So this is not what we would consider to be somebody that didn't know their stuff, okay? So this is somebody that comes up and he, he comes to Jesus and he says, seeing he answered them well, he asks them, asking Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? I got a question for you, okay, because I, I always like to ask this question, and I can't unfortunately get all of your answers, um, but just think about it, and maybe even after service you can tell me. But if you could ask the Son of God one question, what would it be? If you could go to Jesus right now, and Jesus just, just came, and he was, just, just showed up and said, okay, guys, I'm going to take questions, what, and, but you only get asked one. What question would you ask? 
What question would you ask? I, I remember asking that question very early on as a youth pastor. And I'll just be honest, as a youth pastor, it's always dangerous to ask youth anything out, you know, where they can respond to you. And that's what happened. And I remember asking the kids, like, I hadn't been a youth pastor maybe like a year. And I said, so if you could ask Jesus any question, what would you ask? You know, because here's, here's what you guys are doing. I know what you're doing. You, you're, you're being all super spiritual. And you're like, oh, well, I would ask him this, or I would ask him that. Or, you know, this kid pipes up. He goes, I say, if you could ask Jesus any question, what would you ask him? He yells out. He's like, I'd ask him what the lotto numbers were for tonight. And I thought, smart kid, you know, <laughs> he wanted to know what the lotto, and I kind of shot back at him, I said, dude, you're 13, you can't play the lotto, you know, he said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have my mom play it instead, you know, so he'd all figured it out, but if you could ask Jesus any question, what would you ask him, and in this situation, basically in this moment, this man has that opportunity, and he says to Jesus, I want to know what the greatest commandment is. I want to know what the greatest commandment is. So let's kind of move on. Now, Mark 29. So Jesus answered, okay? he says, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So Jesus answers him, and, and most of you know this, but he answers him in two parts. This is the first part of Jesus' answer. And so Jesus says, listen, the most important thing is you need to love God. And then he, he begins to uh, explain that by, by loving in this way and in this way and this way. Basically, to make that simple, Jesus is basically saying you need to love God with everything you are, everything you have. Love, love him fully is basically what Jesus is trying to get us to see. So that's Jesus' first answer. He goes, listen, you need to love God like that. Not like God a lot, not be kind of fond of God, but to love him with every part of your heart, every part with your soul, your mind, every part of you can express love and affection towards God. Now let's continue on with Mark 20, or 12, 31. And then because Jesus continues. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay? So a lot of us know this portion of scripture. We see here that Jesus has been asked a very vital question. A question that quite honestly, it's good for us to understand and know. And Jesus responds by basically saying, you need to be willing to love God with everything that you are, but also love other people with everything you are. And what's interesting is both of these have a similar component to them. That sometimes we miss. It's in your note and I want you to get this. It's important. Jesus answers the question and he does so in the context of relationship. He does so in the context of love. He does so in the context you're supposed to love, have relationship with God in a deep, intimate way. And also you are to love and have relationship with others. Now, some of us, we maybe have problems with one or two of those things. Maybe we have a really good time loving others, and, and we're fine with that. But because of things that we've experienced or things that we've gone through in life, we have a really hard time loving God the way we should. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we, we're great at loving God, but because of situations and circumstances and hurts and, and, and maybe church hurt and things that we've experienced in our life, we have a really hard time loving others. 
You see, Jesus communicates this concept that both are vital if we're going to be able to walk in the life and the fullness of life that he has for you and me. A lot of times we see people and we go, listen, Jesus has all these great things and this great life in front of you, for you. And people go, I'm not seeing it. I'm not walking in it. And typically when that happens, the first thing I want to know is first is this. Are you loving God the way that he wants you to with everything? Number one. Number two, are you loving others more or as yourself? When those things aren't happening, when relationships are broken down, things begin to break down all around us. It's kind of like relationships are that cornerstone. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And when that cornerstone is taken away, the whole house tends to fall down all around itself. And so the question that you need to really look at, and the question I have for us this morning, is how are your relationships? How's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with others? Maybe if we could take a snapshot right now, just a quick photo, where are you at in this? Maybe you're doing great, and if that's, that's great, that's awesome. But here's the thing I know about relationships. They can always be a little bit better. Or maybe you say, Aaron, you know, things, they're not so good right now. And it's like I, I would say to you, it's okay. God can help you make things better. Because here's what I found. When our relationships get taken care of, when our relationships are healthy, it's amazing how that will affect so many other areas of our life. But here's the bottom line. Relationships really are kind of risky. They're risky business, man. They're difficult. They're hard. There's a lot of times we don't like those relationships because they are so difficult. But listen, you need to understand something, and I've talked about this before, but you need to get it if you haven't yet, and that is you were built for relationship. That is how God made you. That is not a defect. That is not an oops on God's part. God looked at you, and when he formed us out of the dirt from the ground, he formed us in a way that we need, desire, and thrive in relationships. But you know what? They're scary sometimes. They can hurt sometimes. You know why? Because to have the deep type of relationship with God and others that we were designed to have, it means you're going to have to be vulnerable. Listen, you, want to, you, you come to me or you come to others and say, listen, I want to have a deeper, more intimate, more special uh, relationship with my husband and wife or my husband or my wife. And I say, that's awesome. That's great. You know what that's going to take? It's going to take more vulnerability. It's going to have to take your willingness to open your heart a little bit more and be vulnerable. Listen, Emily and I do a lot of premarital counseling with couples. And one of the things that we talk about with them is that concept that as you move into this relationship, into this marriage covenant with each other, one of the things that you're going to need to see and understand is that you're going to become more and more vulnerable with each other. And when you do that, you're going to put yourself at more and more risk. But at the same time, the reward is so much greater. A lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times when marriages and relationships begin to fall apart, it's because people start to close and they start to say, no, I'm not going to allow you to come close anymore. I'm not going to allow you, I'm not going to allow myself to be vulnerable to you anymore. Especially with God. Things happen that we don't understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. And so we say, God, I wanted you to do this. And God, you didn't. And so we feel betrayed and we feel hurt. And we say, God, I'm not going to open up anymore. I'm not going to be vulnerable to you anymore. 
And that begins to destroy from the inside out the relationships that we need to have. So we have to understand to, to do and follow these, this great commandment, these two things, it's going to take some vulnerability. It's going to take us being willing to say, you know what, I am going to be willing to take the risk because I know the reward is so great. This is in your notes. This is a, but when I understand, this is an old African proverb that I thought was very important and very telling, you know, kind of where we're at this morning, and it's in your notes. It's, if you want to go fast... Go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I remember when, when Emily and I had gotten married and, and we didn't have Easton yet. It was amazing how fast we could get out the door. You know that? Like parents are like, going, oh man, I know this. You know, like when we were like first getting married or before Easton was around, it was like, hey, listen, we got to be out the door in 10 minutes. And we we're like, okay, and we were out, you know? All of a sudden, you know, about eight years ago, this little boy shows up. And all of a sudden, to leave the house, we have to bring enough supplies to basically make it from here to Oregon. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, we got to get his bag, and we got to get diapers, we got to change the clothes, and we got to get food. And I mean, there were times where, like, listen, if, all, if, if, if it all becomes problematic, there is a target right there. We'll just go buy diapers. We'll just go buy more food. We can be fine. We don't have to take a, a sled, you know, with, with a sled dogs, you know, and taking us to where we need to be with all the supplies. But it took forever sometimes. Now, like, hey, if we're going to go on vacation at some point, you know, it's like we could, him and I could pack maybe in 30 minutes. But, you know, all of a sudden, oh, now we've got to pack Easton, and we have to help him. We get all his stuff. I mean, it just takes a long time. And sometimes we need to remember that, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. You'll get there faster. But I will say this. You won't go as far, and the journey will not be as sweet if you don't go together. So with that, with that understanding, knowing that God has designed us for relationships and they are risky and all these things, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does God expect for all believers in regards to relationships? Like what, what is God's expectations? I like expectations. I like to know what God is asking of us. So in this area... When it comes to all relationships, remember, this is, this is relationships of, of kids and parents and marriages and friends and co-workers. What does God, as believers, what does God expect of us? What should we be doing? What should we be looking at? Yep, okay, there it is, good. Ephesians 4, okay? We're looking at Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Here's what it says. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What does God ask of us? He asked of us to be a part of a body. He asked us to be working together to not just help ourselves grow, but the body to grow as well. Unfortunately, a lot of times people think that we can be a believer and that we can love from a distance. We can kind of do it from way over here. Hey, hey I'm there for you. I got you. I, I'm there. I, but, but, but you stay there and I'll stay here. 
And one thing I've learned about my body, okay, now maybe this is going to come as a shock to you, and I've never actually done it, okay, so please don't ask me to really do it, but I just got a feeling this is how it's going to work. But if you cut off my hand and you placed it maybe back by the sound booth, and then I sat here and I went, okay, hand, I want you to shake hands with Fred, who's back at the sound booth, guess what? It wouldn't happen because it's been disconnected. A lot of us, we need to understand that for us to be all that God has asked us to be as believers, part of that is coming together and being a part of a body and being part of a family, being a part of a relationship of believers that not just help ourselves grow, but help the body grow as, as, as a complete organism. That way, when everything is working properly, things begin to work well. Some of the problems that we see in, in communities and in our churches is we are having parts of bodies that are not working properly. And when that happens, it becomes an issue. We have to understand that. It's a quote here from Dr. Gene Getz. It's an important quote we need to catch. It says this, total body function is absolutely essential if a local church is to become all God intended it to be. So this concept that you don't matter doesn't fit into scripture. This concept that basically says, I, I, I'm not, I don't have to be a part, is not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is for us to be what God has called all of us to be as a family and a body of believers, we all have to be making sure that we are doing the things that God has asked us to do. And if we're not, the body suffers. It does. And you go, Aaron, come on, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. That's kind of, that's you know, I, really? Yeah, really. One of the things that I always look at is, is, is as, we're, as we're understanding what it is to be a family and as a church and all these things is to understand and help you to understand that you matter to every one of us. Sometimes people don't think they do and they believe a lie from the pit of hell. All of us have been brought here for a purpose to work and function together to make sure that we are being all that God intended for us to be. So this is very important that we understand that. It's very important that we understand those situations. But we need to take it one step further. We need to understand a concept that's very important. And that comes from the Greek word that we need to learn this morning, okay? And it's, it's a Greek word that everyone... Now, sometimes we say Greek words that are hard to say. This one you can say with ease, okay? It's alelon, okay? Alelon, okay? a lay lon like a grass lawn. Alelon. Okay? This is a vital Greek word that you need to understand because it is used a ton in Scripture. Jesus used it. Paul used it. We'll look in a minute at some of the things Paul said. Peter used it. Timothy. All, it's throughout the New Testament in many, many ways. And we need to understand this. Okay, Here's what it is. This is what we need to look at. It's in your notes. Paul used the word alelon, which means or translates one another. It's, I could have called the title of this series alelon, okay? But nearly 40 times to teach Christians how to live regarding their mutual responsibility to their fellow believers. 
So anytime in your scripture, and we're going to see in just a minute how often we see some of this. When you see that concept of one another, it comes from this Greek word, alelon. Okay? Paul uses it a lot. Jesus uses it a lot. And it's very important that we understand the concept of alelon. It's very important as a Christian that we live a life of alelon, of one another. We don't go alone. We go together. We don't worry about going fast. We worry about going far. And some of us, as we move into this series, really have to have this concept of a ley lawn or one another come back and become in the forefront of our minds and our walk with God. Because unfortunately, our society is not an a ley lawn society. It is a only about me society, which is in complete and utter contradiction to what the word of God says. Have to understand that. It's important that you get that because if we don't live that way listen our light and our salt will not be as salty and as full of light as it needs to be so let's continue on because we're going to kind of bring this to a close here in just a second and we're going to hit a lot of scripture and i want you to see this okay so with that in mind we have a choice that we all have to make in regards to our relationships, okay? We have a choice, understanding this. We have a choice that we all have to make, okay? And again, I want to make sure we understand this is not just marriage, although it is about marriage. It's not just about you and your kids, although that's what it's about. It's about every relationship you have. There is a choice that you are going to have to make, and it's very clear, and I like that. I like that a lot. Let's look at Galatians 5. We're going to look at Galatians 5, 17, and this is what it says, okay? It's going to lay the groundwork for where we're going to be going over the next couple minutes. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, what is Paul expressing here to the Galatians? Okay. He's basically saying, listen, there are two sides of you. We're going to talk about this in a second. But there are basically two one another's that you're going to have to make a decision on. Okay. And he calls one kind of the sinful desires or the desires of the flesh. And the others he calls the desires of the spirit. And he basically says, listen, they're, they're at battle. They're at war. He uses the word opposed. That word in the Greek literally is getting us to understand the idea of conflict all the time. Okay. So Paul here is saying, listen, there is this part of you, there's this choice when it comes to your relationships, even your relationship with God, where you're going to have to make a choice. And these choices, this is a battle that is taking place in you that is going to just continue to be a fight. And you're going to have to make the right choice and make sure that the right side of this battle actually wins. But that's what's going on. There's a war that's going on inside of you when it comes to your desires or the sinful nature and the desires of the spirit. Now let's continue on with Galatians 5 and let's look at verse number 19. Because basically now Paul gives us a deeper understanding of a couple of things. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Okay? Now let's stop there for a second. I like clear results. Okay? You like clear results. You may not know that you like clear results, but trust me, you like clear results. Let me give you an example. If you came and you said, listen, for the next two months, 
I am going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to eat any ice cream. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to work out. I'm not going to have, I'm, I'm going to live a certain way. I'm going to eat a certain thing. Listen, at the end of two months, you're going to want something. You're going to want results. You're going to want results that are clear. Okay? We see in Scripture that God is giving us a very clear understanding. If we make this choice, the results are clear. In this verse, Paul expresses to us those clear results if we follow the nature of the sinfulness in our hearts at times, especially when it comes to regards to relationships. So he says the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. Okay, now we, we talked about this before, okay? We in our world today, we, we, oh, we don't deal with idolatry. Yes, we do, okay? Idolatry is not, you have a little statue on your mantle, okay? Idolatry is very simple. And again, we've talked about this before. Idolatry is when you, cre- when you, when you worship the created thing over the creator. And that can be anything, okay? That's idolatry, okay? It's, please understand that, okay? It's not, well, I'm, I don't deal with this. Why? Well, I don't have a statue in my front yard, Okay? It's not what this is talking about. When you worship the created thing over the creator, that's idolatry. Let's continue. Sorcery. Anybody dealing with sorcery? I mean, that one seems a little bit kind of crazy, doesn't it? You know, I don't know about you. When I think about sorcery, I I have this like weird picture of a big pot. You know, a cauldron, you know, and maybe a wizard with a funny looking hat. Do you realize that sorcery is a little bit bigger than that? And would you be surprised that maybe more people deal with it than we understand? And I'm not saying there aren't people that still deal with the occult and all those things, which is obviously a part of this. But hear me here. And I'm, I'm saying this because I love you. And I want you to understand some things that are, that are here. When you look to anything else besides God to help you understand your destiny and the plan for your life outside of God, that's sorcery. Okay? When you say, oh, uh, this is, hear me here, okay? I love you, but here, this is my sign. Or I'm going to go read my horoscope. Can you hear me? Don't mess with that stuff. Don't mess with that stuff. I love you enough to tell you that. God has something better for you than that. God has something greater for you than that. But the results are clear. Let's continue. Hostility quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Let's continue with verse 21. Selfish ambition, dissent, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The results are clear. When we follow the flesh, when we follow the sinful desires, these are the results. Now, that's kind of some of the bad news, but let's, let's look at some of the good news. Look at Galatians, wait, Galatians 5. Yeah, I think we're going to skip ahead. That's good, Monica. That's good. Galatians 5, 22, 23a. This is what it says. But the Holy Spirit 
produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And we know these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So on one hand, we make choices that lead to some very negative things. And on the other hand, we have basically some things that are very desirable, things that are important that we need in our lives. Listen, we will follow the sinful nature in our relationships with one another, or we will live by the Spirit in our relationships with one another. That's how it works. When it comes to our relationships, we will have to make the choice. That's the choice. The choice that all of us have to make in regards to relationships is which path are we going to go down? Are we going to go down the sinful path, the sinful nature, or are we going to go down the path of the Spirit that leads to things and the results are clear? Now, I want you to turn your notes over because there's a lot of Scripture on here. Thankfully, Linda put all these, and she fit them all on here, and I'm so proud that she was able to do that because I gave her a lot, okay? And here's, here's what's great about this. You can take this home, and, and, and know this is going to be weird, because like last week you took something home and it was a little more encouraging, you know, and this can kind of seem like, ugh, I don't know. You know, you stick this on your fridge too, okay, and kind of keep this up in the forefront. But listen, what I want you to see here is I want you to see some very clear results of the sinful nature and then also the acts of living by the Spirit, okay? This idea of, of basically a leylon. How are you living your life? So let's look at these together. We're going to go through these fairly quickly, but the scripture references are going to be up on the screen and in your notes, okay? So when we act by the sinful nature, this is what the results typically are. We begin to lust for one another, okay? Alelon, okay? We begin to judge one another. We begin to deprive and devouring one another. We begin destroying one another. We begin envying one another. We begin lying to one another. We begin hating one another. We begin slandering one another. And we begin grumbling against one another. Now, you got to remember, every time you see that word one another, it's that alelon. It's that it's that choice that we're making that says, you know, I'm going to let the results of my life be these. Because I'm choosing the sinful nature in my relationships. I'm choosing to do the one another in a negative sense instead of the positive. But, but these are the acts of living by the Spirit. These are the acts, the positive things that basically the, the, the other side of our one another. When we do that, we become members of one another. We begin to being devoted to one another. We honor one another. We have the same mind towards one another. We're loving to one another. We're accepting one another. We're instructing one another. We're caring for one another. We're serving one another. We're carrying the burdens of one another. We're bearing with one another. We're being kind to one another. We're submitting to one another. We're esteeming one another. We're encouraging one another. We're confessing sin to one another. We're praying for one another. We're offering hospitality to one another. And finally, we're fellowshipping with one another.
how's your Elelon? How's your one another's? Like, again, I love it. The results are real clear. Now, we have to be honest with ourselves to be able to kind of share, like, with ourselves where we are in that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The results are clear. The question becomes, are we going to be honest with ourselves in that way? Listen, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. Some of you are going to know exactly who this is. Go ahead, Monica, throw it up there. You know who that is? Who's that? Who is it? Pigpen. Yep, that's Pigpen. Yeah, if you don't know, I love Charlie Brown. Love Pigpen. I always like, Pigpen always made me laugh. Now, now that's Snoopy there, kind of in Pigpen's dust, okay? And, and here's the thing. The one thing about Pigpen that's interesting is if you've ever watched uh, maybe a Christmas Charlie Brown or whatever, or seen Pigpen uh, in the comics or whatever, you know what typically happens with Pigpen? This is how Pigpen is, is typically shown. It's Pigpen and then his entourage, you know, which is typically dirt, you know, and dust and problems, you know. That's Pigpen. And here's what's interesting. What is on Pigpen, what is visibly there, follows him wherever he goes. Okay? It is a part of that thing. And so as we kind of close this this morning, I have a question to ask you. What things are following you? What things, when you look at your heart, you look at your life, when you look at your one another's, what dust cloud is following you? I, I wanted to show you something visual. I wanted you to remember. Because here's the thing. If the results are clear... Whatever you have in your heart, whatever choices you are making in regards to one another will follow you wherever you go. When you look at your one another's, do you see acts of the flesh or do you see acts of the spirit? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and we're going to close. You know... Can, can, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I was going to say, can I be honest? I'm going to be anyway, but i got to stop saying that because it's kind of silly for me to say it. But, but, you know, a lot of times I, I've talked with people, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I'm this way too. Like, I, I have to check myself at times. And, and, and I'll begin to look at my life and kind of the acts of those things, and, and I'll get to get upset. Because I'm like, well, why is this happening? And basically, I begin to act out the acts of the flesh. And I, and, and, and I don't know about you. Maybe you're different than I am. But I tend in those moments to begin to blame everybody else around me. Well, you know, if, if my wife just loved me better, then I wouldn't be as frustrated as I am. Or I wouldn't be as quarrelsome as I am. Or, or, or whatever else. Or if, if I had a better job. Or if, if my kids were more obedient or what, whatever it is. And here's the thing about Pigpen. The dirt was on him. It followed him around. And I know it's hard at times, but at points we have to stop. And I would say allow God, because it's so hard for us to do this on our own. Allow God to kind of turn on that spotlight of his Holy Spirit in our hearts 
and say, Aaron, what's following you around? What choices are you making in regards to your relationships, first and foremost with God, but also with others that are basically, the results are clear. The results are clear. And listen, can I be honest with you? Sometimes my results are horrible. Sometimes my results are ugly. And in those moments, I have to run to my father and say, God, listen, I'm making the wrong choices. I'm following those, those sinful desires. I'm, my, my one another's are completely out of whack. And God is so good in that moment that God doesn't smack me over the head and say, man, how could you? You should have known better. Really? Seriously, man? Our God picks us up and says, I love you. He says, yeah, you're right. You're making some bad choices when it comes to one another, but I love you anyway. And I'll help you. If you want to make the one another's the right one another's, I'll empower you to make those choices, but you still have to decide to do it. You see, here's the thing. As we move into this series throughout the month of February, there are going to be some hard things that we talk about. There are going to be some difficult things because relationships are hard and they're risky and they're difficult. And you can't control what other people do. I wish we could, man. I wish we could just snap our fingers. But it didn't work that way. And so where does it start? It always starts with us. It starts with us saying, when it comes to a Lelon, am I following the desires of my sinful nature or am I following the Spirit? And when we can do that, it's amazing the things that God begins to do. It's amazing the things that God begins to mold and shape in us. But you have a choice. Jesus said at the very beginning of us message, listen, you're going to love God and you're going to love people. He encapsulates it in relationships. And the better we can get at relationships, the better that we're going to be able to do the two most important commandments that Jesus asks us to do as his followers. I want to do that. I want to do whatever I can to make my relationship with God as good as I can make it, as best as I can. And I want every other, I want every relationship with others to be exactly what God wants it to be. I want it to be full of peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. I don't want it to be full of bickering and complaining and quarreling and deception. The results are clear though. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment. And if you would, those are online, those that are here, can you just bow your head and close your eyes? Listen, I know that sounds kind of old school, but we just do it so we can focus in on the Father. So many distractions, we can just focus in on Him. But I got a question that we all need to ask, we all need to look at. And the first question is this. We've been talking this morning about believers, about what God expects of believers about what the greatest commandment is for believers. But maybe you say, you know what, Aaron, I'm not really a believer. I, 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 don't, I don't have that first and foremost relationship with God. Listen, can you, can you hear me? 
if, you're, if you don't have a good relationship with God, you're gonna have a very hard time with your relationships with others. Not saying that there won't be moments where things are good, but it's gonna be difficult. You're not gonna be able to love the way that God asks us to love until you first experienced the love from Him. You can't give what you don't have, get it? And you say, you know what, Aaron, I, I wanna be a believer first. And I'm like, yes, exactly right. So what, what do I do? What do, how do I? Listen, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. It's, it's this idea of faith and confession and an understanding that Jesus is not just Savior, which means he saves you from something, but Lord, which means that you give your life over to him. And if you want to do that, you can become saved. You can become a believer in this moment. You can pray a prayer like this, whether you're online or here, and you can say, Father, I believe that you're God's son, or I believe that you sent your son. I believe that Jesus was that person and that Jesus came to die for me. And Jesus, I believe, I believe that you love me. I believe that you died and rose again for me. And now I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. I accept your grace. I accept your goodness. And I know that you have done everything that I need to be saved. And now I'm accepting that gift from you. Thank you, Jesus. For the rest of us, maybe our one another's are just kind of out of whack. Maybe we've heard that scripture like many of us have many, many times. We know, love God, love people. Love, love one another. We, we get it, but quite honestly, maybe the snapshot in our lives would say we're making the wrong choice. We're following the wrong one another's. And the results are becoming very, very clear. If that's you, listen, listen, it is not too late. God is a God of restoration and restoration of relationships. But you are going to need to make a stand and start to say, in my relationships with my husband or wife, in my relationships at work or school, in my relationships with my friends, in my relationships with my coworkers, in my relationship with my children, in my relationship with my parents, I am going to choose to walk in the Spirit. I am going to choose to live in those one another's, not in the negative one another's. And if you want to make that declaration this morning, the great thing is, is Jesus will help you in your one another's. If you call out to him, he'll help you in it. So wherever you're at, wherever your, your place is, as far as your relationships or your one another's, this I know, we can all be better in our one another's. So will you pray with me? Will you join me calling out to the Father? 
knowing that he will answer us and help us. Father, we come to you right now. And Father, we see over and over and over again this concept of one another. But Father, at times we choose to follow the sinful desires, the desires of the flesh, as Paul called them. And we turn our back on the fruit of the Spirit and those things that, that living in the Spirit. And Father, the results are clear. We can see them clearly. And a lot of times we see them clearly in our relationships. And so, Father, maybe we're doing pretty good. And if we are, that's awesome. Father, I pray that you would just empower us to do even better in this area. But Father, if we're not, if our relationships are tending to become one of the negative one another's, that Father, we look to you and we say, I can't do this alone. I need your help and I know you'll help me because I've called out to you and you will help your children. Help me to stop following the negative one another's. And instead, follow the ones that are of the Spirit. And Father, when we do that, we know and we speak in confidence that we will begin to see the results very clearly. So Father, we look to you to help us because we can't really do it on our own. You're good. We love you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come lead us in a quick closing chorus. God, you're so good. And Father, we look to you. Let our relationships 
with you be transformed. Take us to the next level and the next step with you. Let that, let that first commandment be so important to us that we'll do whatever is necessary to let that relationship thrive and flourish and grow. But also, there's a second. And let our one another's with each other be transformed by your Spirit's power. Help us. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen. Thanks so much for being here. I'm remembering real quick, please be careful as you head out. You're more than welcome to stay and, and hang out. We're going to head over to Jason's Deli in a little bit to have lunch. If you don't have lunch plans, man, we'd love to have lunch with you. For those that are online, uh, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. And we'll just, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. You're not forgotten. We love you. We know you're there but we can't help if we don't know. So please let us know. Let us be a part of, of your life and your family's life during this time. And we hope to see you soon. For everybody else, thank you so much for being here. Let's go have some lunch together, some time together, some fellowship together. If not, we'll see you soon. Have a great week.